Live from Master Closet Studios, you're listening to the only podcast on the internet that goes ding when there's stuff. I think that's true, guys. The Noobs and the Whovian. My name is Austin, and I'm the Whovian. These are my sons, Corbin and Trip. And we're the Noobs. <laughs> and these are my sons, Trip and Corbin. And we're the Noobs. <laughs> <laughs> this is the podcast that introduces a whole new generation to Doctor Who by watching an episode each week and then discussing it from the perspective of a dad who's seen it before. And two sons who haven't. So welcome everybody to episode number 35, covering season three, episode 11. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Blink! Yeah! More accurately, don't blink. Don't. Well, the title is blink. Anyways, this is the one where Smith and Jones aren't really around all that much, actually. This is the one where Sally Sparrow meets a bunch of people in the wrong order. She breaks into a creepy old mansion and discovers a message written directly to her from the 1960s. It's dark, there's vines and moss growing everywhere, there's creepy messages on the wall, and there's stuff being thrown at her. But hey, at least there's a really pretty angel statue. Sally takes her friend Kathy back with her the next day, and she disappears right about the time that a guy shows up with a letter from Doc in 1885... I'm sorry, uh, from Kathy in 1987. She goes to tell Kathy's brother, Larry, that she's gone away for a while. While there, she sees a clip of a strange man on a DVD. He's talking about time and stuff, and then seems to respond directly to her. She decides to do the thing no one ever does in these movies, and goes to the cops. They don't believe her, but Detective Inspector Billy thinks she's hot and decides to help her out. He shows her the big blue box, and then promptly disappears. Shortly thereafter, Sally gets a phone call from Billy. He's super old now, and in a hospital, and has a message from the doctor. The message allows Sally to crack the code of the DVDs and goes to have the single weirdest conversation of her life with a DVD bonus feature. The doctor reveals that the angels are the deadliest species in the universe and how to defeat them. Basically, they trick them into looking at each other forever, assuming that, you know, the light in that basement never, ever turns off. A year later, Larry really wants Sally to let the whole thing go. Maybe they'll never understand it all. Just then, Smith and Jones pop out of a cab in pursuit of something. Well, for somethings and a lizard. Sally realizes it was all—it was her all along and gives the doctor her notes on the whole thing so he can give it to her later so she can give it to him and my head hurts. And uh, you should definitely be terrified of every single statue you ever see. Don't ever look away from them, ever. Don't even blink. Good luck. Story number 186, guys, originally airing June 9th. 2007 to 6.62 million viewers. That's kind of a that, that's a low end number I there. Know. Isn't it? Wow. Um, written by Stephen Moffat. Stephen <coughs> Moffat uh, is a name that we're going to hear an awful, awful lot. Um, <laughs> wrote some of the best uh, stuff. He did The Empty Child, I think. So yeah. uh, yes, yes, he yes. did all the good episodes. Right. Uh, so he <laughs> is single-handedly well. yes. responsible for the best of Doctor Who, and also for destroying Doctor Who, depending on who you, uh, depending on who you agree with over the next coming series. Okay. Okay. Uh, directed by Phil Collinson. That name rings a bell. Anything important about that guy? He's done some other stuff, right? I some other Doctor we've Who heard stuff. Him. Yeah. But I can't He's remember what he did. Stuff. Um, for the first time in a while, we have an award to mention on this one. This story won a Hugo Award in 2008. Good and thing, rightly too. so. What's that, trip? Good thing, too. I love this episode. Oh, yes. Stephen yes, last episode won a Hugo Award as well, I think. So. Stephen yes. Moffat's last one? The Empty Child. Was yeah. that the last one that he wrote? I don't wow. Remember, but that uh, one won a Hugo Award as well. Yeah, so. All right. We're gonna stuff. we're gonna talk a little bit more about uh, Stephen Moffat and his and his uh, involvement here in the miscellaneous trivia. But first, the cast. Uh, we have, of course, uh, the oddly enough, even though the Doctor and Martha are hardly in this episode, they still show up in the credits as the main 
uh, Ooh, the main credits. Uh, but the, the real star of this episode is Sally Sparrow, played by Carrie Mulligan, who is the most familiar actress I've ever seen that I don't know who she is. I swear, she's just got this face that I'm like, I know her. What's she been? I've seen her before. And I looked at her IMDb, the only thing that I that stood out to me at all uh, was her very first credit as Kitty Bennett in 2005's Pride and Prejudice and I don't even remember her in that I've, I think I've seen that movie <laughs> but obviously it didn't stick with me and I don't remember her from it so I guess she's just got that face anyways uh, Billy Shipton was played by Michael Obiora Obiora yeah, let's go with that. Um, he played Ellis in EastEnders because it's about dang time we had another EastEnder on here. And then uh, Baxter in the movie Tomb Raider, which um, also I don't really remember. I know I've seen that movie. I don't remember who Baxter was. And You don't remember these movies very well, do you? I mean, Pride and Prejudice, I mean, no, I don't really. And Tomb Raider, it's been a long time since I've seen <laughs> Tomb Raider. It's been a long, long time, so that's a... Makes sense. Can't even remember what year that came out, but it's been a while ago. So, our uh, miscellaneous trivia, as we mentioned, this story was not only written by Stephen Moffat, but like our last story, right? It was the last story. Yeah. That was based on a novel. Uh, this was or or a short story. This was based on a short story that um, Moffat had written for the Doctor Who Annual. Now we haven't ever talked about the Doctor Who Annual, um, partly because I just discovered what it is. So, <laughs> oh, cool. it's a it's a book that's put out every year, and it will have various short stories in it that are, you know, that are Doctor Who stories. What's that? Every year? Yeah, hence annual. It comes out once a year. and Is it different every time? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like they'll get together some writers and do some Doctor Who stories. Do they still do it today? Um, you know, actually, I'm not 100% sure. Um, what The reason this just came on my radar is because I was listening to another Doctor Who podcast. Um, I know, we all feel betrayed. But uh, they were talking about I think it's the 1971 or maybe the 1974 Doctor Who annual is about to be released. And I was oh. like, what? And what it is I, that that how year... How old is this podcast? Well, no, no, no. No, <laughs> no it was a recent episode. But uh, <laughs> they, were, they were podcasting before the internet. Um, yeah. No, it was that that year, for whatever reason, they didn't do one. They didn't oh. do a Doctor Who annual. That's so, so they're releasing some, it now? That's funny. They've created it now. So what it is, like, they, they got together some people, like, like Now they, they just need a time machine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, um, it hey definitely doctor, feels like the beginning of, yeah, it definitely feels like the beginning of this episode. <laughs> um, so anyways, they're about to release the, the 1970-something episode, whichever one it is. Or, or, I'm sorry, Doctor Who Annual. And uh, they, there was all this inside baseball about how they, they did the art similar to the way that they, that they normally do, or that they did in that era. And, you know, they're obviously, they're using the doctors from that era and, and whatever, whatever. So apparently... Uh, in, I think it was I think it was the 2005 or six annual that Stephen Moffat wrote the story because back in the day he would have been too young you know to to mm -hmm. have submitted for, it. but at any rate he wrote uh, this story and uh, what was the title of it, Corbin? I, well, I thought I put the title. It was it something. Was do you have it handy about there? Christmas? No, and it was written by Sally Sparrow. Yeah, it was yeah per, uh, supposedly like a, a book that was. Written by her. Yeah, I think it, the synopsis of it is basically she wrote that and then gave it to the doctor later so he knew what was going to happen and stuff. Okay, um, uh, oddly enough, it was adapted from What I Did on My Christmas Holidays by Sally Sparrow. 
by Stephen Moffat. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's a little girl. Sally Sparrow was a little girl in in the the short story version, and then uh, a few years later, Stephen Moffat was set to write a two parter for series three that we're in right now. Mm -hmm. But he was also working on another show at the time called Jekyll, where he was not only writing, but I think executive producing or something like that. And so um, he was kind of running out of time, and he felt like that he had, he had ruined the series uh, by dropping the ball on this. So he decided, okay, guys, I'll make it up to you. I'll write the Dr. Light episode, right? Yeah. So I'll take, I'll take the bullet, and I'll write that one for you guys. Sat down. Oh. Churned this thing out based off of his, you know, took his story, retrofitted it to be, you know, for the because when he originally wrote it, it was the Ninth Doctor. Um, so again, we have this where it's adapted for a later Doctor yeah. and everything. And so um, he quote threw himself on the grenade of writing the Doctor Light episode and cranked out this masterpiece. I know. So he I writes. Everybody thing. loves and knows. Like if you know Doctor Who, <sighs> you know Blink. Right? And so so he wrote it. There was one uh, revision draft and then boom, they went into production. I mean this was wow. not, it was not heavily workshopped. It was just like he and, and the funny thing is he said he described it later on. First of all, he didn't care much for it originally. He liked it more as time went on. And looking back on it a few years later in an interview, he said that it was it was such a tiny sliver of his writing career. Like, it was such a small amount of time compared to how much time he has spent writing yeah. that he doesn't even remember writing it. Yeah. Like, it just, it's just this blip. It's just this thing that, you know, pooped out of his head one day. And won a freaking Hugo for it. I know. <laughs> and is widely considered one of the best episodes How ever. did you write it? And um, I, I, I don't, don't remember. Similar to last episode, the uh, fandom page likes to walk the line as if the, the <laughs> right. story and this episode are both canon. Right. Huh. Saying uh, a pre the previous incarnation of the Doctor had a very similar experience. Remarkably where, similar. I know. Where another Sally Sparrow helped him get back to his TARDIS. I'm like... Another yeah. Sally Sparrow. Uh, so, um, so not only did this win a Hugo, but in, I think it was 2008, uh, they, they ranked the 200 greatest Doctor Who stories... And it took second, second place. And then a couple of years later, they they did it again, and it came in second again. The first okay. time, it, it lost out to... Uh, an, uh, what, Corbin, do you have it pulled up there? Mm, it's, I, yes. There's one of the tabs there. Let me see if I can find it's, it. It's like, it's like the f seventh doctor... Fourth Doctor? I don't know. I it was a long. It was like it. it was. It was. It was a classic Who episode. Um, so we're definitely gonna have to go back and watch that one at some point. There's a tab up here with that episode title pulled up. I think. Yeah, I am looking through here right now. Okay. At any rate, um, then when they did the survey again, uh, the the hour of the Doctor, the day of the the day of the Doctor, I think, is the one that ended up beating it out that time. So it, it placed second. Mm -hmm. Um, twice, but from you know from a vote of the fans uh, that the BBC did. So, um, needless to say, highly highly rated and um, critically acclaimed, and every, I mean just like everything, just all the things, all the acclamations that you can get for this. All right, so go. Um, that gives us a little bit of uh, insight into the back end of the episode. Let's take a look at the checklist. The checklist, guys, is is it's a little thin. 
that's all yeah. I've done this week. Uh, our baddie of the week was who, Trip? The Weeping Angels. The Weeping Angels. Obviously. My favorite. Your favorite so far, huh? I found the yes. note here. It was beat out by the Caves of Androzani. Awesome. The first time, what? and then the Day of the Doctor the second The day. day of the Doctor, which I think was the 50th, epi- uh, 50th anniversary episode special. With like the 10th Doctor, the 11th Doctor, the War Doctor, I think that's... That I means think, we're going to have to do that one for our 50th episode. Uh, <laughs> we're not going to be anywhere near that <laughs> for our 50th episode, I wish. That would be awesome. Actually, hmm, I don't know. We'd have to do the math, but I don't I don't think we're going to be anywhere close to that. Um, we've still got a whole other series of, of Tenet before we even get to... <laughs> Matt Smith, and that was his second or third season before that sucker happened. All right, so our baddie of the week was the Weeping Angels. Um, we'll obviously uh, talk some more about them as we go along. Um, actually, I don't know. I don't know that we have any specifics in the notes later about them. So why don't we park here and just talk about the Weeping Angels for a little bit? What do you, Trip? Yeah. Tell me about the Weeping Angels. You said your favorite. Why? Just they're they're just like this creepy, interesting thing. Like interesting. There's these things that I don't get. Like, she cut off the light so they can see him. That how did they cut off the light? Oh yeah, wasn't just she like, just pointing yeah. at it? She was just like blows oh. or whatever happened. That was and why did it keep blinking? Why was it blinking? Really weird. Just so they could do that weird yeah. ring ring. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but when they were around the TARDIS, mm-hmm. why did they keep freezing when the light cut on? Because then someone could see them. Right. Because but they, they were, were they inside were. the TARDIS. And they could probably see each other. I just I just want to point out the fact that um like the Weeping Angels have literally broken the fourth wall this episode because yeah. they're actively acknowledging that we're looking at them and thus not moving while Yeah, screen. they weren't moving Oh, that's like, a really everybody looked point. away except the camera was still pointing at them. And they kept. Yeah. And they. Oh, I didn't even. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. yeah. So that I'm sure. I'm sure that was more budgetary than anything else. <laughs> yeah. Still, they couldn't make him. Move. They would have had to have busted out some uh, interesting um, makeup or CGI to to have them actually move on screen. Um, well, I mean, how many? How much more they expensive can it be to dress people up than to like individually make all these different statues? Or well, I'm sure the statues were made out of foam and stuff like yeah. that so they probably yeah. were ter- I mean I'm sure they were probably still costly to make because yeah. they made so many of them for that one scene that you're talking about yeah. with the lights blinking beam, beam, beam. yeah uh, that, oh, ridiculous uh, uh, that, I saw like a speed I saw like a double speed of that it was like oh wow yeah no that that is a particularly horrifying thing especially because they kept the camera stationary and so the statue just keeps getting, getting closer, closer and closer, and closer to, to like, your your point of view, and it's uh-huh. like, ah, it's going to eat me. It's great. Um, Made for 3D. Yeah. For sure. I, the, thing, the thing that I like about the Weeping Angels, they, okay, I've talked about this before. I hinted at it, that we are going to come across these monsters in Doctor Who. Monstrosity. That are, they are the explanation of why things are the way they are. Yeah. So you, know, like, you ever think that, you've seen that statue move? Yeah, exactly. You did. You did because Which we mentioned in the last episode. Aliens. I said that almost word for word. It was like Exactly. If you think you saw one of them move, it probably did. Exactly. Oh and my gosh, Trip showed me this awesome gif earlier. It was oh this yeah. little girl 
running up to a statue and like and touch then she the turns statue. away and the tattoo the statue, the statue is an actual like, person sits <laughs> and moves like down, down, down of her face and I've seen she turns back and just like ah! and like oh my gosh I have seen this so awesome. I, I've seen one <laughs> like that where it it the person who was dressed as a statue was an angel statue. Yeah. I think I, I reach. I think I may have even shared it on the noobs and the Whovian Facebook page a while you ago. You gotta send that to me. Only the noob. Only only the Whovians really understand what's happening here, or something like that. You know. Um, but yeah, I, I I love that they are the kind of monster that your brain can convince you is realistic. Realistic. Yeah. Yeah. That's the word I'm looking for. Like. Um, believable, credible. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, I mean, I'm not saying true. that statues ever actually move, but if they can only move when you're not looking, I don't know. Maybe they do move when we're not looking. You know, it's kind of like those movies that, um, like Lady and the Tramp, the dogs only talk when people can't hear them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I was convinced when I was a kid that my dog could definitely talk when I was not listening, <laughs> you know, um, because it's just like plug your ears. Yeah. It's, it starts talking. It, 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 on the flip side, it's what they call a self-reinforcing delusion <laughs> where like the, the, the story that you're making up or the lie that you're telling, you build into it rules that explain away all the reasons why it couldn't be true. You know, it's like, well, statues don't move. Nobody's ever seen it. Ah, uh, yes, because mm-hmm. they only move when well, no one's observing them. them, you know, like, so even if you point a camera at one, you can't, it yeah, won't I was, because I there's was a camera looking say, at it. Like, what happens if you point a camera at it, make sure no one's looking at the actual feed, and then just look at it? Will you see the then movie? Then look at it later? I don't know. I mean, yeah. Uh. And how does it know if you're looking at through the camera? Uh, there is a... Well, and here's the thing, is it doesn't seem to be a voluntary response. Actually, no. Yeah. Later in the episode, we'll talk about this more, but... Part of that is that they can, if they feel threatened or think they're being observed, voluntarily turn to stone. That like is, that thing? it was in the notes. Maybe that's why they kept freezing, because every time the light cut on, maybe they thought that someone was coming in the room, so they froze. Ah, okay. But then it went back off, so they're like, oh, so they can voluntarily do it, but they can't voluntarily stop themselves from doing it. Yes, is my understanding. Oh, anytime because it's it, he says that they are quantum locked, which we're, we'll we'll get into that in a minute. Um, but it, it and he says that they can't help it. It's a fact of their biology. It's just how they're built. So the thing that's weird is like, what would they look like when they're not frozen? Do they just look like people or like floating oh, beings? Do yeah. they look I mean, like do they angels? Look, do they look like stone? Do they look like angels? Yeah. Do they look like stone? Okay. Uh, from Wiki is weeping angels can also turn to stone at will or when they believe they were being observed. Okay. So if they thought they were being observed, they could voluntarily become that's that's yeah. weird. But they can't voluntarily not avoid it. Yeah. yeah I don't that's know. Weird. At any rate. Wait, um, how do they know if they're being observed if you're like standing behind them? I like how everyone assumes their single biggest weakness is that if they look at each other, they'll be frozen forever. But just destroy the statue. It's only stone. I know that's just the, well, the statue. He, he said you can't kill you can't kill a stone. So yeah, but if you, you can't blow up stone, yeah, if you knocked its head off, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. There's there there are a few there are a few little quibbles with this episode you know because no episode is perfect yeah um so let's let's come let's circle back around to um 
quantum lock in just a second because that's and, uh, uh, that's jeopardy, an, jeopardy. yeah exactly. But our our well count we got two and we got him we got him uh, my favorite way where he does it twice, twice back to back. Yeah, he says got a dash things happening. Well, four things happening. Well, four, four things, things in, in a lizard. lizard. Uh, <laughs> um, is this going to be important to next episode? Is this how it starts? I, that would be Martha awesome. Say something about. Um, Martha said something about the migration is starting or something. Uh, yeah. With bows and arrows. <laughs> I was like, what? The <laughs> migration is starting. This, Yeah, the migration of the lizards? <laughs> or the lizards? <laughs> what are we talking about? And I did think it was funny. I love it when, when shows like this, and in particular Doctor Who, when they, they hint at all the things that you don't see. Like, obviously there's other adventures. And, yeah. and in... From a production standpoint, that's where we get novels. That's where yeah. we get video games. Like, that's where we get the radio shows. There's got to be a novel out there explaining that. Be. And then at the end, they get touched by the Weeping Angels, and yeah, it's all yeah, yeah. All right, so um, so well, we got the not, two. I'm gonna write that. We got the two wells back to back. That brings our running count up to two. We did get, and I'm sorry, um, Corbin. He, he said it a little bit differently. He said, yeah. I'm, I think both times he said, I'm sorry, I'm very sorry. Instead of, I'm so sorry? Yeah. yeah. So we decided that was... close enough. Yeah, I mean, we decided that was it was the same sentiment. It was close enough. So we got two, which, two of those, which brings the running count to two. If uh, you don't remember five. the I'm sorry, apparently in the wiki notes one time, it said, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, was a reoccurring f- phrase. So we added it on here. But that was like last season or something yeah so it was a while yeah. Ago. yeah so we haven't had a ton of them but I, but over the over the long haul it builds up it really does yeah uh, we didn't get any alonzis we didn't get any what's um there's still more alonzis than there is i'm sorry uh, well, yeah, because we got like four of them on the first time we ever heard it. So, um, no mention of Mr. Saxon. Nothing was impossible. Is Torchwood even like? Uh, Torchwood, I think, is on the list because every time I take it off, something pops up about it. But it's been a long. It's time. like with Rose. Uh, yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. Every time I'm like, well, I think we're done with Rose. Boom, yep. she gets mentioned in the next one because there's a picture of her or something in a, in Mr. Smith's diary. Uh, Jibberty Jabberty. This is what we were talking about earlier. We have the quantum locking. And so whenever the weeping angels are being observed, even by other weeping angels, they turn to stone. They um, they don't seem to have any control to stop it. And Tripp said, you were kind of asking, why is that? Quantum locking, um, this idea of quantum states. Mm-hmm. Are you guys familiar with Schrodinger's cat? I've heard of it. Yeah. Um, so the... The basic idea that Schrodinger's cat is illustrating is the idea that whenever you observe something, you change it fundamentally. And what this is really that means is like what it was. I read some article about it about the Schrodinger's cat paradox, mm-hmm. and I was like, "What is happening? I am so confused right yeah, now." Yeah. So the basic experiment is that uh, okay, let's. Let's put a cat in a box, and we have uh, a cyanide capsule in there. And uh, if the cyanide capsule is broken, it releases the cyanide, kills the cat. And the uh, what determines if the cyanide capsule is going to be broken is whether this one quantum particle is spinning up or down, which is two of the states that it can be, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you say if it's spinning up, then it breaks the cyanide, kills the cat. If it's spinning down then it doesn't, and the cat survives and gets out of the box. So the question is, is the cat alive or dead? 
in the box? And the answer is, yes. <laughs> the answer is, the cat is both alive and dead simultaneously for all time until you observe it. Because when you... Uh, the, the, the only way to know at this quantum level uh, whether, whether a, a, a particle is spinning this way or that way is to observe it. And until you observe it, it is potentially spinning both ways. But once you observe it, it's determined. Okay, I was looking Does on that make sense? here. No. That's so I was looking sense either, on so. the thing, and it was talking about quantum xenos, which is... All right. It's similar to what you were just explaining, okay. but I thought that they were totally making that up. Huh? No, this is this is quantum theory. Wow, that's yeah. okay. Yeah, that when you makes get, no sense. When you get to this is why Ant Man can do what what it does um, by basically Not that saying we know what Ant Man the quantum does, level yeah. is magic because it's it, it's so far removed from our everyday experience of reality that it's really hard to get your head wrapped around. Yeah. So the basic idea of being quantum locked here is that the act of observing a weeping angel alters its state. It mm-hmm. cannot. It cannot be any other way. It's the only way that it can be. So it's not a voluntary thing. It just is a fact of his existence. I mean, it has literally to. no one even knows what a weeping angel looks like when it's not. Yes. When it's moving. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Because it cannot. Wait. Be what about like dogs and stuff? Observed in motion. Or like about, an ant. What about an ant was crawling on? A weeping angel. Would it be able to feel because it's stone? I don't know. And how does the weeping angel know that you're observing it when it has its hands over its eyes? No, no, no. That, that was the point, was it doesn't have to know it. It involuntarily Your observation of it, stone. Yeah, you observing it changes its state. It doesn't, oh. have, it doesn't do it on purpose. It just is the way it is. And Just like opening the box either kills the cat or allows the cat to survive, it just happens. It's just the act of observing it changes the state. That's so weird. It's really weird. It's it's and it's a it's what? a hilariously, you know, overly simplified application of a very complicated, complex yeah, very very complex thing. quantum you know theory and all this kind of what stuff. What I so. love about this is that the weeping angels are not the only things that can do quantum locking. The other one is Medusa, right? Which is an alien that. Actually, it's pretty similar to the Weeping Angels. Instead of quantum locking itself, it quantum locks you and then feeds on your life energy, similar to what the angels do. And, and feeds on where is that coming up? Is that it's some comic, one ah. single comic, oh, one only thing Medusa has ever shown up in. Interesting, interesting. Oh yeah, so we didn't. The thing we didn't talk about with the with the angels is that the the way <laughs> what did he he called them the, the the only psychopaths in the universe that kill you kindly or something yeah. like that he said they don't murder you they just zap you back into the past and let, let you, you live, live to death, to death. <laughs> so awesome so I they just let you live in the past right but so here's the thing is they they feed on Potential temporal yeah. energy or something. Potential like energy, like right. what could have Time happened. Energy. Yeah. So they all of the the stolen moments. He says the the days that could have been. Um, that's what they feed on. So when they Stuff zap you back could in time, have exactly. So when they zap you back in time, 
they feed off of the residual energy, I guess, that you leave behind. And then you, like, Trip was like, these are the worst monsters ever. They don't actually kill you. Yeah, they just steal your life from you. That's what they do. But is they steal your life from you and you end up in the past and, and end up living some other life. What Which happens if you're in the fury? What? What happens if you're there, you get zapped back, then you get zapped back there? What? Like, do Say the, again. You don't get zapped into the future. You're only ever zapped back into the past. That's what I said. You get zapped back and then a weeping angel... Like, are weeping angels only in one time period? Oh, I see. If they, if, like, if another one you get zapped back, another one finds know. you, you get zapped. concept. I, don't I mean, know. you could just go back basically to the caveman times, and, like, there's still stone there, so, like, there could be weeping angels there, too. <laughs> could be. And in theory, they could live immortally by zapping each other back. Yeah. Like... I guess, Yeah. I mean, it'd be a very complicated system, but theoretically, they could zap each other back in time and feed off that energy. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. So do they die if they don't have enough energy or whatever? I I would assume so. It's what they Why do they only have... Why is there only four? Uh, There's only four in this episode. Well, I think there's more than four, because they were, like, (coughs) all over the place. But they said that they were trapped together forever. They can never get out. I mean... There's only that's only Those four. four. That's only four of them. Right. But yeah. it's like we're not in danger anymore. We zap. They're well, all because together. Those, because those four are are trapped there. Well, I say so. they could theoretically live forever, but in this picture I'm looking at right here, where they're all four in the circle, they're all touching each other. They're all like holding hands basically, and yet they're all still there. Maybe they so. can't do it to each other or something. Like that's that. annoying. Which, yeah. well, I mean, that I mean, would make much sense. sense in a race where that's what happens constantly. It'd certainly help for slip-ups where you accidentally touch one of the other Yeah, people. I would imagine like, that that's okay, more of a conscious decision that they make. But but at any rate, um, so they, they feed on that potential energy, which is how we end up with this whole scenario anyway of people, you know, ending up in the past and all this kind of stuff and the and the fun little... So that's what time travel is. What? That explains time travel. There isn't time travel in real life. It's just weeping angels zapping people back. Oh, okay. So in, like, 1965, we see someone with a phone. <laughs> that's because he got tapped by a weeping angel. Got touched yeah. by a weeping angel. Those weeping go. angels were real. We've, we've solved it. All right, so Jiggery Pokery. We're still in the list here. Uh, we didn't have anything with the psychic paper this week. The Sonic. I didn't. We didn't even see the Sonic. No, no, we didn't. We didn't hardly saw the week. doctor. Um, but the TARDIS, we, there was a couple things the uh, the TARDIS can do. Oh well, so apparently you can put the TARDIS on autopilot via DVD. That yeah, was, that, that was, was like what? That was fun, and um, we thought it was uh, really fascinating the way as it's phasing out while Larry and Sally are inside it. First of all, apparently the TARDIS can leave you behind. Yeah, yeah, like, leave that behind. sucks. <laughs> Like, yeah. I kind of was like, I don't know if we've seen it yet. Have we seen it yet where he phased in on top of somebody? On top of somebody? Oh, yeah. Yeah. When Rose was there and then he, he phased in and she walked out of the blue box or whatever. No, no, no. What I mean is like, there. I, I've got a very particular scene in my head. I can't remember no. which doctor it was or whatever. Somebody's about to get like shot and the TARDIS... No phases in around the person and the bullets just hit the TARDIS and, and the person is now inside the TARDIS. Oh, yeah, with the Daleks. 
That's and then they thinking. had the force field. That's what I was thinking. Was it? Yeah. So anyway, well, yeah. So apparently it can happen the other way, where you can <clears throat> be standing in the TARDIS, and the TARDIS can dematerialize around you, you, and you're stuck there, <laughs> and they freak out and think that the angels are going to get them. But um, we thought it was kind of interesting that there's that one camera angle where the camera looks like it's down, kind of like the cameraman was laying on the floor, mm-hmm. pointed up at Larry and Sally. They're crouching down, and the angels are like above them, encircling the outside of the TARDIS. So but you've got also- this inside of the TARDIS at the same time. Yes, well, yeah. So you've got the TARDIS is around them, and then it's phasing out, and so you see the Weeping Angels standing around them, very closely around them. Mm -hmm. And the TARDIS, you know, it it phases in and out and in and out and in and out, and then eventually it's gone, and they're standing there around them. That was a really, really cool effect where you've got this interdimensionality thing going on where you've got the bigger on the inside fading away to the normal space around you. I just thought that was a really mm-hmm. cool uh, so really I've cool realized effect. that whole phasing out with while leaving them made me realize and this would work better if the TARDIS was bigger than just the small blue box but if they walk around the TARDIS mm-hmm. and then it left without them would they be in a slightly different place <laughs> than would if they? they were say yeah. over or, here or more or importantly more importantly if if Larry stayed at the console and Sally went down the hallway. Yeah. Would so, they like, like, they weren't even close to each other at all. Would they all of a sudden be standing next to each other when they... Uh-huh. Yeah, that's really... Yeah, no, 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 that's interesting. Doesn't it have, like, different <laughs> layers or whatever? Like, oh, yeah, there's all You're at the way bottom layer. Yeah, there's a pool. You're at yeah. the that's way top. It would make more sense if it was bigger, because then it would be easier to see, like, relative to where you're standing, because with the TARDIS as it is, it'd be like fraction of an inch if you went all the way down there or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, no, that would be really, really weird. Like, would you be in the floor? If you're, like, way down at the bottom floor and he's way at the top, would you right. be, like, in the floor I, a little bit? See, the thing that we're... Uh, the reason I said interdimensionality, I have heard it explained, and I don't, I don't know how much of this is canon, but I've heard it explained that the TARDIS is not really bigger on the inside as much as the door of the TARDIS is a gateway to another dimension. Oh. So when you go through the gateway, when you go in the door to go into the TARDIS, you're not really going inside the box. You're actually in a different... You're in a pocket dimension. Yeah. And this this does come up some, so maybe it does have some... Pocket dimension, his pockets are bigger on the inside. (laughs) Exactly. Whoops out a banana. Yeah, he's got a whole dimension in each pocket. I've, I've always assumed it's more along the lines of like just space displacement where yeah, it's literally just bigger on the inside. Again, I don't know exactly I've never really it. understood it. I'm the, just like, eh, he walks into a box, it's bigger. Meh, science fiction. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So the, the, I mean, the dimensional gateway thing is the first time that I went, oh, that makes sense. Um, other than yeah. just saying, like Tripp's saying, meh, sci-fi. You know, just it's like, science. Don't try to understand it, just go with it. Science you know. or magic, yeah. whichever yeah. you want to call it. All right, so um, then we had uh, some random jiggery-pokery where the doctor um, came up with his timey-wimey detector, which goes ding when there's stuff. What else, Corbin? And it can boil an egg at 30 pieces. <laughs> we had to rewind that That's one That's kind of scary, actually. <laughs> yeah. That's... Boil an egg at 30 how, pieces. Like, how ah. much heat is that thing producing? Yeah. I also love that it had, like, the reel-to-reel uh, tape on it. Like, what is it, what is that doing? Is it recording there, there readings? Some, 
there was something on here where it said it was made out of different parts, including, like, a postcard from Blackpool. Who? That's what this literally says. Okay. Who's Blackpool? Uh, uh it's well, trapped in 1969, the doctor builds a tiny YME detector. Oh, wait. Uh, it is assembled from items, including a Blackpool postcard. Wait, okay. What? Is that, is that all explained in a, uh, in a comic or something? Blackpool was a town on the coast of land. No, yeah, yeah, but I mean, is that list of things? Is that? I don't know. Yeah. Pro- probably someone just saw that and was like, oh, I recognize that. All right, so uh, finishing out the checklist, who is Martha? Um, she works at a shop in the 60s. Uh, who is the doctor? The doctor is rubbish at weddings, even his own. That's great. <laughs> that's me <laughs> I know, that's funny. I love it whenever he throws it. The, oh, by the way, Whitaker is doing that left and right. Throwing really? out these little statements like, did I ever tell you about the time that fell in the blank, you know? And and some of them I I know are Easter eggs where she's referencing something we've actually seen on screen. But other times I'm not sure. I don't know if it's classic who she's referencing or if she's referencing the unknown stuff, you know, like the four things in a lizard. Um, I, I haven't been able to figure that out. Wait, okay. What? What happens? He said, even my own. So what yeah. happens if you get married? And, and then, then you then- regenerate? And you change genders. Um, <laughs> what do you do? I don't know, man. Um, don't know. I don't know. Honestly, There's... it makes me begin to wonder if there is such thing as gender for Time Lords, or it's all just appearance. Yeah, they haven't really gone into that. He, Can they the look like aliens? He says, as Jody is, well, I'm aliens. a girl, right? But is that just from his own experience with humans, you know? Having pretty much only female uh, companions. No, 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 no. There's, there's. Um, we see a time lord. We actually witness a time lord regenerate from male to female uh, later on. Uh, Capaldi's time, I think. And um, somebody uh, says, uh, "Excuse me, sir." And then he stands up and is a woman. And he's and the guy goes, "Uh, ma'am." <laughs> so yes, there is an idea of gender. <laughs> Um, there's actually, I think they even call them time ladies. So <laughs> lords and ladies. You have time lords, time ladies. So, At any rate, um, other stuff we noticed. Um, oh, and I, I, I kind of hinted at this in the recap, that the scene where the guy brings, uh, the Kathy's granddaughter, granddaughter, grandson brings the letter is like very, very similar to that scene where the Western Union guy delivers the letter to Marty in Back to the Future yeah. 2 at the very end. Yeah. The main difference is that the grandson comes while Kathy is still there. So, yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that overlap. That because um, yeah, Doc disappears and then a car rolls up. Yeah. And instead, in this instance, he walks up. Kathy's in the backyard. You know, or, being stalked or wherever. by the weeping angel. Right. And did that? He hears her disappear. He hears the moment that she disappears back in, and and has no idea. And, uh, and you know what was interesting about this episode? We never talked to that guy again. That yeah. guy, he delivers the letter like his grandma asked him to. That's it, man. Walks off, never even sees her again. Yeah, there's a part of me that wonders, like, you know, was there, was there supposed to be more to that and we just couldn't do it because of time? Um, or, you know, that guy did his part and then, and then he was gone. So, uh, I don't know. All right, so guys, um, overall, overall ratings out of 10, Trip, what do you got? 
out of ten. Okay. Wow, coming out strong. Ten um, out of ten. What? Scary weeping able. Yeah. Scary weeping weeping angel teeth. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Their teeth. They're, they're fangs. Teeth yeah. In particular, uh, Corbin, what do you teeth. Uh, I'd say like nine and a half out of ten. I don't know. Very controversial weeping angel things. All the stuff we've mentioned before. What? About, like the problems with them. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm going to give it 9.75 out of 10 dings because they're stuff. <laughs> um, the only reason for that is that, you know... I, there's always more. There's always more. There's always more. I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, I almost want to give this one a 10. I, I really do, but... Um, like, really, the only reason I haven't is because I'm still trying to gauge these episodes. I'm oh yeah, yeah. Like, you don't want to. You don't, you want to leave room for later, right? Well, and 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 a perfect ten doesn't mean that there can't be other perfect tens. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, but if you find one that's even better, yeah, like puts 11. this one to shame or something. <laughs> Sorry, we're turning it up to eleven. Um, that's okay. So um, there there are a few little things that I did want to talk about on why it's a nine point seven five, um, and we'll 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 circle back around to that. Um, creep level trip. Um, I don't know. This one isn't like. Scary, like if I what? all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. No, Just, I'm all right. No, no, no. Okay, wait. I, I can't stand for this. I won't stand for this. I have one question for you. For, hang on. For who? You. For me? Yes, for you. Okay. Are these scarier than the Slitheen? Yes. Yes. Okay. The Slovene. Because the Slovene. The creepy baby face was the scariest thing to me so far. Yeah. Yeah. The Slovene was not scary. Uh, It it disturbed me. It wasn't scary. It was disturbing. I don't know. Um, so Trip, I'm 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 just gonna call uh, baloney on your horse hockey over there <laughs> because you spent like the first thirty minutes of this episode with your hands over your eyes as a weeping angel. Oh, no, he was doing that. Cover at a moment's notice. You're like because <laughs> I thought we were gonna see them move. Uh, oh, okay. Every, and like, like jump at us. Every little movement, he was like. Ah! I mean, can I just say? Can I just say that half of what makes them so creepy is just you never know when they're gonna move, and you never yeah. do see it, and you, you never like see it, and you never worse. know. Yeah, that's almost worse. The thing is, what? they're not scary; they're creepy. Well, that's what yeah. we're talking about. Creepy. I know, but, but they're not. One where they actively acknowledge that they're moving, where they're up on the building across the street, and she and blinked. Then she blinks. And they disappear, and it's yeah. like, whoa. And then we see them outside of the building. I was like, <laughs> It was so freaky. I don't know. I think I'm going to say, like, I don't really know. What's yeah. a normal, really? I don't know. Do we normally, Below like, 100 for normal? I'd say like a four twenty-five. I'm gonna I'm gonna give this thing a solid four fifty. I mean, this thing. I, is... I don't know. I mean, this is creepy. Currently four twenty-five. I think even for the empty chair is I the think, highest I've ever gone. What's how much? I think four twenty-five. You know, one thing we haven't done is recorded this. <laughs> we haven't ever written down our scores. We probably have yeah. Scored. Yeah. But I think I, maybe like 
415, some, somewhere around there, like yeah. 415, 417. I mean, think about that scene that you mentioned earlier where the light's flashing and the, and the statue's moving towards you and you see their fangs mm-hmm. and just they're coming like, at you ah! closer and closer. And just, ah! I mean, like, just, just so that's, many things. Just that. We're yeah. like, ah, that's a hundred. That's a hundred. Just, just right there. <laughs> just, just right there. That's a hundred. Yeah. I mean, the creepy, like the doctor's writing on the wall behind the wallpaper. I know. Yeah, that was, it, it was looked like, like it should have been written so in extra. blood. <laughs> she was just so ripping it open. More words, more words. How many words what did you write? know is how did he get that under there? Did he literally yeah. just re-wallpaper the wall? I guess. What? I guess, yeah. And why under the wallpaper? I was like, who writes under the wallpaper? Why not write? Because it had to survive for 40 years. What? Wait. Oh, yeah, he wrote... He wrote it in 1969 or or whatever it was. Wait, but how did he know when to, like, when she was gonna come? Because she because gave him the notebook. So. We're gonna we're gonna talk about that what? in a minute. Wait. She gave him the note. We'll talk. We'll we'll come back to it. All oh, right. So did she take a wait, picture? When she pulls right. the thing down, it says seriously, duck, and the rock comes through. Did the angel throw that? That Is yeah. That yeah. It had to be, had to be the like, angel throwing a rock. Yeah, which was weird. <laughs> I thought the I angel wrote it. That's not what the angels no. did. I don't know why. No, because it said the doctor. And then in parentheses, 1969. Before the doctor, before it said that, I was like, did the weeping angels oh, oh, write this? Yeah, okay. All right, so guys, let's talk about wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. Because uh, this is where this is the episode where we finally actually get that phrase. Um, very, very famous phrase that's that will crop up over and over again in the way that we've been using it. Um, so we wanted to kind of hit this episode in the same way that we normally do our one-offs, which, by the way, uh, we made an executive decision. We've been calling them wibbly-wobbly episodes. We're going to change that to timey-wimey. Timey-wimey. More sick. Yeah, it's more descriptive. So in the feed from now on, when you see, uh, if you see an episode timey that says timey-wimey timey number five or four, or whatever we're on, that's... Are we going to keep the numbers, or are we going to restart? Yeah, we'll keep the numbers. We'll keep the numbers the way they are. Because uh, it's the same... Kind of one-off episodes. Yeah. So we might even uh, be able to change the titles of the old episodes to Timey Wimey. So. Possibly. Is there so if you're listening to this right now and you're going, but they've always been called Timey Wimey. I, but in the episodes, we have to call them Wibbly Wobblies. Yeah. So let's not change it. At any rate, um, we wanted to approach this this episode the way that we approach the Timey Wimey shows, stories, episodes, movies that we that we do on the one-offs. So first of all, what were the rules, Corbin? Uh, of time travel. There weren't really any, to be honest. First of all, let's let's catch up, maybe some new listeners. What do we mean when we say, what are the rules? As in, what specific things do they say and establish about time travel that are supposed to be followed? And the main thing episode? is... Like, can you or can you not change the past? Right. That is the biggest thing for any... Uh, time travel movie. To me, that's the first question that a time a time travel story has to answer is: Can you change the past? Yes or no. And once we say what were the rules, our second question is: Did they follow the rules? Because yeah. We have movies that say you can't change the past, and then they and end up changing. Yeah. Or you have ones where maybe they never even say 
that you can or can't, they never verbalize the rules, but it's clear as but you're watching it yeah, that clear. so far everything that's happened happened because it always happened because they went back and made it happen. Like, but then all one, of a sudden that's they kind break of what it. happened. That's what I think, at least, is that you can't change the past. This is how it's always happened. Yeah, it right. always has to happen. We say that in the episode. Right. We we seem to be in a causal loop here, an ontological paradox or the bootstrap paradox, where you something never had a beginning. Okay. Yeah. And in this case, for example, <coughs> what's he, that? The script, for example, he got the script from her. But the dude got the script from the video. Right. So, yeah. so, so you have a couple of different types of bootstrap paradoxes. One of them is information. Yeah. So this is a, an informational bootstrap paradox where pretty much everything in this episode is an informational bootstrap paradox. Um, and, and it does get addressed. That's the thing that's bugging Sally for a solid year uh-huh. is how did he know? Why? How did he know what to say on the DVD? How did he know to write that stuff behind the wallpaper? Because how did he ever figure that out? Him. And yeah, and in the end, she discovers that she gave him the information. But where did she get the information? From him, because she lived it out. Where he gave it to her because she gave it to him because he gave it to her because blah, 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 blah. so you know, the information has right. no origin. Where yeah. did it come from? That's the that's the bootstrap. That's paradox. always the question. Yeah. Where did it come from? No, it didn't. It. It just Where, is. I feel like most of our wibbly wobblies involve somehow proving that the entire thing, while it seems like it, it you can change the past, we say, if you no. think about it, you <laughs> pretty much can change. You well, this one, this one, no, because this was definitely you don't change the past. Yeah, yeah. yeah and so again, it, it was never verbalized, but that seems to be the rule. Did they did they break their own rules? Did they keep their rules? Yes. Yeah. Pretty Did much. they yeah. at the last minute? Because here's here's how it normally happens. At the very end of the of the time travel movie, they change something. The hero decides, I do have free will, and I will do what I want, yeah. and then changes things. No, right? stop. Yeah. They didn't do that. They when it comes instead, to time, they, you may think you have free will, but you actually don't. That's right. So instead, they closed up the loop. So um, the list of the list of DVDs. How did the doctor know which DVDs? To put it on, he she put it on all of her, all of the DVDs, that, the seventeen DVDs that she owns, and she, she discovers that that list. DVDs. Yeah, <laughs> I love okay. that the guy goes. You own only seventeen DVDs. Um, she discovers that the list is all the DVDs that she owns. So later on, she includes that information in the little notebook that she gives to the doctor. So the doctor knows to include it there because he had included it there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? <laughs> my favorite, my favorite moment that was almost a fourth wall break, but not really. It was more of a wink than a than a fourth wall break. Was when she's talking to the doctor via the DVD. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she says, "How can you be reading a conversation?" that you're still in the middle of having. And that's when he says, it's complicated. <laughs> you know, she, she is like pointing out on behalf of all the viewers, how is it possible that this is happening? Yeah. You know? And um, I also think, oh man, my favorite thing about the DVD conversation is that there's one section of the conversation that she has with him twice. Did y'all notice that? Yeah, except... She changes what she says. And it still fits. Uh-huh. It still fits. Because it goes, uh, yeah, it got away from me, didn't it? 
and uh-huh. and both times the thing that she said remember the she's well, that watching got away it. from you didn't it yeah that, that one got away from you yeah kind of kind of got away from me there and, and then like, later on she strange. says we did this bit before the next thing you're going to say is it, that sentence got away from you and he goes yeah it did get away from me didn't it you know, so the way he says it even still sounds like a response. You know, like that yeah. was complex right there. The fact that they so were able to confusing. weave that in. Yeah, yeah. The way they were able to weave that in both times. Um, okay, so this, I, I, I thought about this one as we were going over the notes. The doctor told Billy not to contact Sally early. Remember, because he said, I've thought about calling you a lot of times over the years. But the doctor warned me not to contact you too early because it could create a paradox that could destroy a third of the universe. And my hair. Huh? And my hair. And my hair? What? He said, and it would get rid of my hair. I don't think that's what he said. No, he said that. his hair, but that's... He said, oh, and I'd lose my hair. I don't remember. He said that. Oh, okay. I don't remember that part at all. Another part that confuses me is why, I mean, the doctor's practically immortal how come he didn't confront who's or what's her face or just wait until he could get the tardis back okay so so yeah this was this is this is the thing that so many plot holes even though we said this in an amazing episode well that's why i said it's it's not it's not perfect so there is i mean it took so short to to make this oh yeah we're trying harder to find all the problems here because it was such a good episode. Yeah, yeah right. We have to find yeah, all the bad parts. That that part did bother me because he he told Billy, "I'm really sorry, but it's going to take you a long time. I need you to deliver a message to Sally Sparrow, and we I'm have really to wait sorry, this long. but it's going to take you a long time." Mm-hmm. And he has to do literally. He has to go on your deathbed. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The day that you die will be. Like, you are literally going to wait till the end of your life, the last day of your life. You will de- finally deliver this message, and then when it stops raining, you're going to die. Yikes. And wow, the uh, crazy thing is that, um, why, yeah, why Why does he make them wait? Like, why does he make... Uh, he, he lets um, Kathy Nightingale live out her life. He yeah. lets Billy live out his life, but he and Martha... Well, he could never even... He never even met Kathy. No, but he could have gone back and gotten her or something, you know. Mm-hmm. So now, okay, so the, the quick in-universe explanation is the doctor couldn't do that because the doctor didn't do that. So therefore, he knew that he didn't and hadn't, and so he couldn't. Huh? Yeah. Because that would have and caused a paradox. Yeah, it would have broken It does kind of seem everything. selfish. It's like, why doesn't he just stay? Do it himself. Yeah. yeah. Except that that would mean Martha would, would live out her life. There, and she would probably die around the same time that Billy did. So by the time they caught up to the TARDIS, because like you said, it's still there. By the time they caught up to the TARDIS, she Martha would be dead or dying. And he doesn't want to let that happen. Um, but he doesn't want to let two other people that he doesn't even know exactly. die? Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. is like He's kind of like, like, well... That's so mean. I mean... All right, so I, I put in the notes here. There's one small thing that bothered me about this episode, and this is such a small thing, and it's not even a contradiction or a plot hole or anything. It's just I wish, and Corbin, you hinted at it earlier, I wish we closed the loop on how the Doctor ended up there in the first place. Yeah. Because we never see the Doctor and Martha get zapped into 1969 by the angels. Yeah. Like, like when did it happen? Right. Sally says, gives him the notebook, says, 
hang on to this. One of these days, the weeping angels are going to zap you into 1969 and you're going to need this information. And he's like, uh, thanks. You know, and I assume, sure. I presume, question, does he even know what the weeping angels are at this point? That's a good point. He mentions he at some say, point that the weeping angels are as old as the universe. Oh, yeah, just about as old so as the So he probably does know about them. I would assume. I mean, unless he's unless everything he knows about them came from that notebook. Unless, <laughs> but it would still seem highly but unlikely that he'd never encountered them before this point. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. Um, but it, again, it did bother me that we didn't get to see that moment. And what would be really cool would be like, and this is a bit of a spoiler, but it would be cool if some episode down the road we see that happen. And it closes the loop, you know, next yeah. season or something. But it doesn't. That's not we just we just know that at some point the angels get the drop on the doctor and Martha and zap them back into nineteen sixty nine. We never wow. find out. Well you when say that he could have learned everything that he knew about the weeping angels from that book. Mm-hmm. But he only ever told Billy that the Weeping Angels were as old as the universe. He hardly ever even really encountered Sarah throughout the episode, except on the DVD. He, Sally. Sally. What did I say? Sally. Well, so Billy, Billy could have told her that, you know, in the, cut, possible, in the cutting. But, but yeah, yeah. so again, that's, that's a very small... So my, my two biggest problems were that one... Uh, we don't ever get to see that. And again, that's it's not a plot hole or anything like that. And then the other thing is the idea that the doctor is willing to let those other two people die of old age, you know, live to death. Um, but Just he, so but he won't do it himself. Huh? Just so that one person can live. Yeah, well, and the other thing is, is he's saying, you know, we've got to keep the TARDIS from the, from the Weeping Angels because... They, you know, could feast on that energy forever and, and become all kinds of powerful. How is he keeping the TARDIS from the Weeping Angels when the Weeping Angels had the key to begin with? They had the key. They didn't know where it was. And then they found it later. After so. Sally took the key. Hmm. Yeah, so that was the thing. Okay. I thought about that, too. I was like, wait a minute. Why didn't they just take it to begin with? They already had the key. But they, they had the key. She took the key. Then she found the TARDIS. For them. Which led them to the TARDIS. So now they've got the TARDIS, but not the key. So the next time she shows up... They would have ruined their own plan had they touched her, because she had the key. She would have brought it back in time with her, and they never would have been able to get the TARDIS. What's your point? There's no reason to touch her. Terrible planning on their part. Like, if they were going to touch her, they would ruin their whole plan. No, it doesn't matter. I mean, all they had to do was let her open up the TARDIS and then go in, but they they, they weren't able to pull it off. So, all right, guys, um, that brings us to the end of all of that stuff. Again, overall, you know, some very, very small plot points, but, oh, yeah. such a good episode. Yeah, it was. Such a good episode. It. Can't wait to, uh, to see these again, because, again, spoiler alert, uh, this is not the last time that we... Encounter the Weeping Angels. There's a there's a handful of other episodes, and um, it's only a couple, isn't it? Um, I know of at least two. Um, I can't remember how many other ones. You know, this season has introduced a like a couple of reoccurring uh, baddies. You know, the Jadoon and these guys. Yeah, they all show up later. Yeah, the Jadoon don't. Um, don't really 
show up in force. I don't think there's there's not a, a huge. I don't I don't think they ever show up again as like the big bad in a in a given episode. Um, let's see. I've got the angels take Manhattan. The time of the angels. They show up in some stories. Of course they outside. do. Outside. Uh, the Time of Angels slash Flesh and Stone. So that, I think I guess that's a two-parter. Yeah, that one's gonna be uh, good then. There's a reference <laughs> to the, the Lost. So yeah, they they show up they show up uh, here and there, and their uh, the the stuff that gets done with them is is fantastic, and they have a huge part to play in one of my favorite um, one of my favorite companion arcs. Um, they, they have a huge part to play with that. So, all right. Um, so listener input guys, we did have five new, um, reviews on iTunes. Um, I say reviews, but they were really just star ratings. Um, so, uh, thank you to those of you who went out and gave us some stars. Uh, we still just have the two actual like reviews. So, um, wherever you found us guys, iTunes, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, Spreaker, wherever you found us, um, make sure you leave us a review there. And you can also leave us a review on our Facebook page. A couple folks have done that and, um, we appreciate that as well. I think we already read those out. Um, so you can go on there and that just helps people find us, helps people know that we're, you know, something worth listening to. If they show up and there's no ratings then it's <laughs> like, I don't know if I want to listen to that. But if they go, Oh look, they've got like four points, I don't know, eight, two stars or whatever we yeah. have now. Um, then, Hey, that's, that's obviously something worth checking out. Um, stars are great. An actual, you know, review, letting us know uh, specifics better. is even better. That's, um, that helps out folks a lot in, in finding us. Uh, so thanks again for that. We also have a uh, quick shout out to Christina and Xavier. I hope I'm saying Xavier right. Um, he spells it with an X, so I just, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm making an assumption there. Uh, but Christina and Xavier have been really active on our Facebook page and have been touching base with us as they've been rapidly gaining on our heels. I know they, it's insane. They've caught up already. Yeah, yeah. They they uh, chewed a couple through. Weeks ago. Um, so all of a sudden we're like feeling pressure. Like now we got to get them a new episode. <laughs> So, yeah. So here you go, guys. Here you go. Um, they also uh, they've they've thrown a couple of comments in. We've read a few of them here and there, uh, but they also commented this time. They said we finally caught up. We watched Blink. Uh, Christina says I give Blink nine and a half flickering lights. Creepy. Um, and then Xavier gives it a nine letters from a friend that was just here. <laughs> Congratulations. That is very creative. That is right that is yes. awesome and definitely in keeping with the uh, with the spirit of our rating system. I love that. I um, also wanted to give a quick shout out to Kara, Joe, Darian, Kat, and Abby. Hey guys. Um, some old friends of ours that uh, chimed in on the Facebook page. Um, so I'm, I'm assuming that means you guys are listening in. And I so I miss um, you guys. Haven't seen you all in a long time, but glad to know that you're uh, on the on the the wibbly wobbly train with us. And um, it 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 appears to timey wimey, Dad. Uh, ah, we'll keep it the wibbly wobbly train. I don't know. Um, it appears from based on Kara's uh, comment that um, they're not noobs. They've they've watched this stuff because they said that Blink is a household favorite of theirs. Um, so we hope you guys are are maybe doing a rewatch with us and listening along, and uh, give us give us some of your feedback. Um, we did a poll about doing some classic Who one offs. Our our friend Fred uh, suggested, hey, what what if every now and then kind of like you guys do with the Timey Wimey episodes, what if you went and did an episode of a classic Doctor Who as a one-off thing? 
And uh, so we did a poll. Would you rather us do that or wait until we catch up and then go do it like on the off seasons? And it was a 50-50 split. Um, so what we decided is that we are probably going to do the one-offs. And um, so we haven't 100% decided on how we want to do that. We were talking about it today, preparing for the show. I do think that the first thing that we're going to do is we've got to go back and watch the very first story arc. Now, again, it's going to be a one-off in the sense that we're going to watch one story because it's yeah. impossible to watch one episode of Classic Who <laughs> right? because you don't get the whole story. So I There was th- mention of a seven-parter in the notes that I was <laughs> yeah. reading earlier. And then a the like, nine-parter. I think the first story was a three-parter. If I'm Why? Um, that was just that was the way that the that, BBC did um, did television back then. That's longer than any oh, that I'm we've sorry. had so far. Sorry, it's a four parter. <laughs> that's longer than any we've had so far. Yeah, the very first story, an unearthly also child. Like half an hour, though, right? So. Uh, yes, those are those are um, and actually more oh. like 20, 25 minute uh, episodes. So they're so, about the length of a normal one. Uh, well, but a like, four a four parter would be, you know. Like, yeah, close to two hours. But like a three-parter a would yeah. be about the size. Yeah, it wouldn't, wouldn't be too bad. So um, we also wanted to throw out in the listener input section a challenge that Corbin dropped. If you go to our Facebook page right now, you can see Corbin's drawing of himself as a weeping angel. <laughs> and uh, I've made several more after. Oh, and you know what? Yeah. Just haven't posted we need to, We need to up, update that picture because, because I added, you added stuff to the to picture. It. Yeah. Do so at any rate. Make it um, even creepier. Yeah, yeah. Uh, check I didn't out. even Thanks see for it. Haunting my dreams. <laughs> so at any rate, um, he wanted to challenge everybody else to do the same thing—to draw some of the aliens that we've seen thus far. Because he's actually working on his own little collection of him as all of the baddies. <laughs> so yeah, I, like I have quite a few so far, like yeah, the like, Autons and yeah. Uh, there's others I can't remember all of them. Yeah. Yep. So. Um, if you want to do that, and then uh, email it to us at noobsinthehoovian at gmail.com. We'll or post them on the Facebook page, I guess. Exactly. Post them on the Facebook page. If you send it in, uh, please let me know in the email or message or however you send it to me if it's okay if we share it. And uh, we'll put it out on the Facebook page. And um, if you post it to our Facebook page, then it, you're already putting it out there in public. So we'll, we'll just go ahead and share it from there. All right, guys. We also wanted to hit you up with our game plan because we are coming into the holidays. And last yeah. year... In the holidays, we fell apart. Um, we actually we lost like two months that we didn't even like do yeah. any. Last year during the holidays, we hadn't released a single episode yet because we were um, very lazy yes, back then. Yes, we started we started releasing them, and then even that release get like our backlog of episodes. Even that release schedule got off kilter. Really weird. Yeah, we didn't record back for then, two months. SoundCloud didn't allow you to schedule your release dates. Right. So that made it. Much so harder. I had to release exactly. them yeah, on the right that. day. Yeah. 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 So we wanted yeah, to have that problem. Now. Is much easier. But here's what we want to do. All right, so the the remainder of this series is a three-parter. Utopia, The Sound of Drums, and Last of the Time Lords. 14, 14 episodes 14. this season. That's right. ridiculous. So um, the wow. next episode that we release, which will be um, theoretically next Saturday, December 1st of 2018, will be on that three-parter. All right, mm-hmm. so you've got a week to watch all three of those episodes. I don't know how in the world we're going to pull it off, but I we're going to no pull it we'll off. Have break anymore to try and watch all three episodes. I know. We, if yeah. we were one week ahead, we, we could have knocked it out this week, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, and as I kept telling the boys, they were out of school. Didn't mean I was out of work. Yeah. So. 
Um, then um, we're also we're, we're coming up on the series recap. So we are going to post a list on the Facebook page and the website. So either facebook.com slash noobsinthehoovian or noobsinthehoovian.com. And we're going to post our categories of favorite things from Series 3. And we want your votes. We want to hear from you guys. Um, if we can really get on the ball, maybe we'll post it as a poll. Um, but it would have to be several different polls. So we'll, we'll just have to see how we do that. You guys send us in your favorites. We'll mention those on the show and get a little bit more of a consensus this go-around than we have in the first two series. And um, that'll be down the road. So you got a little bit of time on that. On December 8th, uh, two Saturdays from now, we're going to do our next Timey Wimey episode. We promised you guys that we were going to do Buy His Bootstraps, and then we had a better idea. The better idea, uh, Corbin said, we ought to do a Christmas time travel movie. Ha ha, except there's none of those. And I said, The Santa Claus 3. Uh, there. It so, has one part. Great series. Uh, yeah. Yeah. One part. Yeah. What? Two. It's all it two takes. Parts. It's all it takes. That's all it takes. Mm-hmm. Anyways, okay. so we're gonna do the Santa Claus three, uh, and so great movie series. If you, if you haven't, haven't already, it. yeah, 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 it's on our list of holiday classics we watch every December. Are we doing all three of them? Just which the, is currently an um, ever growing list. We're going to for for Noobs and the Hoovian, We're going to just talk about Santa Claus three. Okay. So if you're not familiar with the movies, watch all three of them. They're awesome. You can get a box set for pretty cheap, or you can. Um, I think some of them are, are streaming at various times. It depends. Yeah. Um, yeah. Check Netflix. Check Amazon. On all that kind of stuff. The fifteenth, we're going to do the Doctor Who Christmas special, Voyage of the Damned. Now, um, it just so happened that we timed it out on, on accident this year that we're going to get to the Christmas special during December. So we said, let's do be the that. only time this will ever happen. Yeah, so probably. Keep that in mind. So um, we're going to do that before we do the series recap, even though technically it's part of. Not part of Series 3. Uh, just for timing's sake, we're going to do that separately. So uh, the 15th, we're going to release Voyage of the Damned. And then we're not 100% sure where our schedule goes from there, except that after we do the Christmas special, we'll do the Series Recap episode. We're not 100% sure when that will drop. It because might happen like in 2019 so it, yes it the voyage of the damned episode may be the last episode of 2018 we yeah. may be out for a couple of weeks because we're going to be doing some traveling and so we're working yes. on our plans for how we want to do that we're um, going to bring it with us uh, we've talked about it we've talked about we can do it we could do it in the upstairs that's right we, we've got a studio three microphones and a soundboard to I mean we got to carry travel two-day cross the... Uh, we got to carry the computers anyway. The hard part is the microphones because yeah. the soundboard packs up nicely, the computers pack up nicely, it's the, the microphones, microphones that I'm worried that. about. The microphones. Yeah, so yeah. at any rate, um, we are not 100% sure what we're going to do with that. So you may get the series recap at the end of this year. You may get it at the very beginning of next year. I don't know for sure, uh, but we're going to do that. And then um, beyond that, we're fuzzy, but I'm thinking... It might be fun, guys, and tell me what you guys think. It might be fun after we do the series recap, whenever that drops, end of the year, beginning of the year, whatever, that our next official episode in 2019 be our Classic Who one-off episode. Okay. Seems like a good idea. I mean, Seems like a good idea. The sooner we try this out, the sooner we'll get input on it and stuff. So There you go. There you go. Um, so we'll we'll do that, and then um, we're also going to take a look, guys. Um, I haven't really talked with you two about this yet, but we need to sit down and talk about how we want to do some of this, because now we've got like three different things going on. We've got 
the main noobs in the Whovian. Yeah. We've got the timey-wimeys. Yes. And now we've got this classic rewind stuff. Yeah. So we need to figure out exactly how we want to do that. Do we want to take one episode of the podcast per month and do yeah. a timey-wimey and alternate it with a timey-wimey and a classic? Yeah, that's what I was or, thinking. Yeah? Okay. So that could work, but, I mean, I don't know, like, when we would do that. I mean, that would be a lot of, like... We would just we would just say one week out of the month instead of watching the next episode of Doctor Who, we go yeah. back and watch a classic episode, or we do a timey wimey. And then we'd have to try and make a ginormous calendar to map all this stuff out. <laughs> exactly. So the anyways, hard guys, part. That's the that's the game plan that we've got going on. The main thing you need to know for right now, if you're listening along, is to check out episodes 12, 13, and fourteen of season three. That's Utopia, The Sound of Drums, and The Last of the Time Lords. Oh, and don't forget that if you're watching it on Amazon Prime, uh, their their episodes are are. Number out of order. Weird. Yeah. So Christmas make sh- special is number one. Make That's sure right. you're looking at the title. That's right. So Utopia, The Sound of Drums, The Last of the Time Lords. It's the the series finale three parter. Um, we get to see D- David Tennant looking like an old man, and uh, get to see an old friend come an back. Old so friend. Uh, until then, guys. Harkness. Uh, uh, happy th- Happy Thanksgiving to our American listeners. I know we got some folks outside of the U.S., uh, but we are recording on Black Friday, so. Um, Happy Thanksgiving to you. Um, I hope you guys are, are having a good holiday season that we're kicking off into and uh, that Doctor Who is going to be a fun part of that. Doctor Who has a great relationship with Christmas, except for this year. It's going to be different this year. But that's okay. Uh, New Year's special. Yeah, New Year's special for, for the 13th Doctor. So anyway, guys, um, Noobs in the Whovian, as always, is a production of Master Closet Studios where it's always smaller on the inside. Your senior producer is me, Austin Reason. Our audio engineer is Trip Reason. Corbin Reason is our production editor. And special thanks, as always, to TARDIS.Wikia.com for the trivia and to Star and the staff of this Timber Glen Library in Dallas for just being awesome. Yeah. Because we're not doing we no DVDs, DVDs anymore. Yeah. You can Let's find us, guys. Here. That's right. You can find us at Facebook.com slash Noobs and the Whovian. You can email us at Noobs and the Whovian at gmail.com. Guys, get in on the ground floor because right now, if you email us, it's going to get on the show. Yeah. <laughs> it's going yeah, to it, it get on the show. Interaction with us at all will get on this show. Make sure even a like, if that's even possible. <laughs> Make sure that wherever you found us, that you subscribe, leave us a rating, share us with a friend, uh. and uh, because the main thing, guys, we want you to share us with a friend, not because we're awesome, but because we're watching an awesome show, and we're trying to introduce a whole new generation to Doctor Who uh, by watching it together. So do that as we as we watch it, watch it along with us, watch it with your family, watch it with your kids. If you don't have a kid, grab a kid and watch it. <laughs> Watch it we with are not openly endorsing with, stealing kids. With parental okay. permission, grab a kid. All right. Grab guys, a random kid. Time. My name is Austin. I'm the Whovian. and these are my sons, Corbin and Trip. And, and we're, we're the news. And we will see you next time. Peace out. Be-whip. And Corbin sounds like this. Oh, I am really, really congested today. And I'm <laughs> so sorry if I sound like there's snot everywhere because there is. Oh.